Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight, a sports special. We have a real professional broadcaster in the studio. No pressure then. And we start, of course, with the local headlines and Fernwood Sword Club's Ethan Dakin won gold at the under-13 meeting in Cornwall. And a big well done to his parents as well for braving Storm Dennis to get him down to the West Country. His results included a win in the last eight over Edward Thompson of the elite London Fencers Club. New York Athletic Club's Ed Buck won the York 5K in a time of 15.32, while young star Joseph Monk came home second at the final round of the Knotts Cross Country Mini League. Elder to very muddy, wet and windy Rushcliffe. The result means he picks up the silver medal for the series. In the Knotts Youth League, the only match involving the local side to beat the weather was Long Bennington under-18s, who would have enjoyed... I've no doubt a 3-2 victory at the old rivals Skeg Bay. While in slightly better conditions on Sunday afternoon, RHP Colts beat the Welton Bombers 5-1 to maintain third place in the Midlinks Youth League. Collingham under-18s are through to the Lincolnshire County Cup semi-finals with a quarter-final victory at Way and Nettleham on Sunday. Mud, wind and rain did not hold them back as they cruised through to a solid 5-2. Semi-final is coming up next. That's Whole Beach away on March the 1st. And while most of us were taking shelter on Saturday, away from Storm Dennis, it didn't prevent the hockey men from claiming all three points in a fairly one-sided affair, would you believe, at Buxton. Yes, the hockey men's third team travelled to Buxton for a match in that weather. I just think that's brilliant. And yesterday's downpour meant all the odd work by the Flow Surf groundsman was in vain, as Lowfields once again turned into a sponge, and the Knotts Cup quarter-final went the same way as many. It went into the postponed column. 99% certain, they tell me, next Tuesday at Lowfields. And as Mr President nearly said, as long as it doesn't rain. I'll let you work out the rest of the sentence to what he did actually say. Um, many of you would have seen the um, videos on social media of Newark Rugby Club. Um, their home match on Saturday has been moved to the Magnus. So Newark Rugby Club are at home on Saturday to Loughborough at the Magnus 2.15 start. They want as many of us to get down there as possible to support them. The under-17s training has been moved to the Sports Village, while the girls, they're at Tuxford Academy. So, uh, life goes on for our rugby players, but uh, I don't think it's going to go on at Callum Road for a few weeks. And the heart goes out, of course, to New York R&M Cricket Club as well, because uh, there's an awful lot of water to go away before the cricket season starts in ten weeks' time, and... Uh, I think they're probably also looking for somewhere else to play. There is further bad news that I learnt this afternoon that the water has actually got into the pavilion as well. 
which is the the last thing they needed. It doesn't surprise me at all. Mm. Um... It really doesn't. But, um, I, I see the the new higher up pavilion at the rugby club as yeah, it I mean, held. It hasn't quite got that eye, but yes, the other side of the road, mm. it, 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 th- there is one heck of a mess. Needs clean up. Then you do, and it's not just them two because. Nottingham Moderns, Nottingham Casuals, Dunkirk Football Club, all that lot down Lenton Lane mm. are all in a mess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tremendous shame, but um, there's very little you can do about it, unfortunately, because it uh, it gets everywhere, does the stuff. Right, best behaviour tonight, because David Bracegirdle is a sports mm. broadcaster, commentator, journalist, author and MC. We're in trouble tonight, Tony, I tell you. It, um... He can often be seen watching football at Lowfields or heard commenting on his other great love, which is tennis. Commentating, I should say, on his other great love, tennis. But during the summer months, he has the perfect job. Covering Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club for BBC Radio Nottingham. A job he's done for more years than he actually cares to remember. So, tonight, quite simply, it's Brace Girdle on cricket. But I'm reliably informed... The biggest claim to fame that he has is he actually took Tony Smith's wicket while playing for <laughs> Little Carlton against RHP. That is a claim to fame. David Brady, uh, Bracegirdle, welcome to Radio Note Sport. Thanks, Mick. Or so we go Michael then if we're having Sunday names. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely Dave. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I played against Tony a time or two over the years, but I you look so I, much younger though. Well, I think by then we were both a long way past <laughs> our best. Um, <laughs> I, well, I didn't actually start playing until that day. <laughs> when, when you did I, play for very long that day. When, 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 when I, I don't like, think I played after then either. <laughs> I, I was actually thirty-five, and it was um, it was it was caught, um, Mr. Forbes. Call Eddie Forbes, bold brace girdle, uh, for, for very few. <laughs> Nupois. It, it, Dave Brace Girdle is a man in a thousand because he was the first and there was 999 after. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to find out about Dave Brace Girdle's cricket um, career. We're going to find out how about his lover's um, commentating. And most of all, we're going to get some cricketing opinions off him tonight because we're going to go off script um, with a few. Um, <laughs> oh, off script? <laughs> with a few bombs to drop tonight and a few names for his, um, drop his, away. his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's um, let's start right at the beginning then. Um, your love of cricket. Um, well, you say yeah, right, right at the beginning. Of course, I'm, you know, I was I was born in 1958, and as as you both know, I mean that that meant I was a 60s child, and you made your own amusement, your own entertainment. You kicked a football around um, in the winter months. You um, you know, you bowled a a ball or battered a, a cricket ball through the summer months. So, you know, I was already a, um, a keen playground cricketer at whatever, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. Um, it was very, very rare, a very occasional treat that you got cricket on the television. But when I did, I was hooked. The The Test Match special, as it was then uh, for the big games, was, you know, was always a, uh, a way of getting through the, uh, the you know, the long school summer holiday um and then as you know gradually as i as i got to an age where i was sort of allowed out on my own a little bit and there was cricket at elm avenue knots playing i think that was one of the first uh, times i saw professional cricket and, and you know sort of late 60s early 70s um i was sort of first allowed to go to 
uh, Trent Bridge on my own on the bus, and and of course, you know, at that time, Notts had the best player in the world, and you know, you see. Garfield Sobers walk out to play cricket and if you're not hooked on the game well you know it's not for you he, he was the one that got me hooked I, I waited three hours for his autograph once at, at, at Elm Avenue what, what, what's, what's your Elm Avenue memories? Um, Sobers I could, you know he, he was somebody that uh, he could do no wrong in my eye and one day I wanted to see him score 100 and I think he'd got about 80 odd and they were playing Gloucestershire, and Mike Proctor came steaming and snorting <laughs> in off his long run. That whippy action bowled off the the wrong leg. You know there was smoke coming out, flaring out of his nostrils, and he bowled sobers in the eighties, neck and crop, middle stump out the ground, tumble, 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 and the umpire was stood there with his arm outstretched, no ball, and that incensed <laughs> that incensed Proctor even more. But it, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that. He got him shortly afterwards, or somebody else did, and I don't think he got a hundred there, but he did get. I did see him get a hundred <coughs> at Newark against uh, Worcestershire in a Sunday game, the old John Player League game. And incredible to think that was Sober's only one-day hundred his entire career. <laughs> Didn't play much, and that was at Newark. And that was at oh, Newark. That was start. at Home Avenue. <laughs> what a start! I remember, as, I, as I've told Tony time and time, I, the two I remember is Knotts played Somerset and. David Half, David Half, you David Harvey, Harvey, yeah. Um, spin, spinner, <sighs> spinner. By the time he came mm. back to knots, he was just coming in off, mm. you know, six or seven paces and, and wobbled it a bit. Um, he he put, put the ball over the pavilion and into the cemetery. I remember that one. Barry Stead against Kent bowled Mike Dennis first ball of the morning. I'm sure it mm. was first ball of the morning, and then other not went on to get his maiden first class ton. I know memory plays. Place, but I'm sure that was the case. There were 11, uh, Nottinghamshire played 11 uh, county championship games at Elm Avenue, and uh, indeed uh, Derek Randall made his debut there yeah, against yeah, Essex yeah. and hit a six into the into the cemetery. Well, I, I was at that game as well when Randall had his debut, and um, he was batting with Brian Bowles, who was the not skipper that mm. that day, or I don't know if Sobers was playing or not, but Bowles was the senior man, and he was in. And I can remember Bowlers hitting it, and it was obviously after two, trying to keep the strike or whatever, with Randall just coming to the crease. I think he batted at seven or eight on his debut, something something like that. And because nobody had heard of him really, Derek Randall, at, at that stage. And um, Bowlers hit it after this two and went, run, son, run! And I can remember on the boundary edge, true as I'm sat here, Randall yelling back, I'm running, Dad, I'm running! <laughs> you know, and that straight away you think... You know, there's a there's a <laughs> there's a cocky young man. Um, but, but you're right; he did it to six. He got seventy yeah. odd on his debut, yeah. and yeah. you know he was uh, he, he was very much part of the Knotts team from then on. Yeah. Going back to the, the little Carlton RHP match, um, <laughs> I phoned the Pavilion that day to speak to Tony. Tony has just gone out to bat. They said, "Okay, I'll hold." Was my reply. <laughs> You've got some fans out there. Haven't you? <laughs> you really yeah. have got some fans. That, that's a true story. <laughs> Little Carlton was. Um, I had twenty years in the in the RAF. I, I um, my niece, lad, um, so I went to school at Ollerton. But um, my first cricket involvement was was Cornton, and um, you know they were sort of the team that I played uh, a lot of my cricket for. Alec Rose, a great stalwart of the Cornton club. He, you know, still very much part of the the furniture down there, and um, um, 
you know they were they were sort of the team and then I went in the Air Force for for 20 years when I came back out the Air Force moved back to this area in, into Newark again and played for Cornton but you know by then Sunday cricket was uh, um, you know something I, I was sort of used to playing Saturdays and Sundays at the weekend so I played for Little Carlton for a while and then and then right at the end I had a, a few games for a few games for Newark but you know before you know, a sort of a full-time commitment with Knotts took over. OK, let's drop the first bomb and the first name. Alex Ailes. Is it a complete waste of a talent? Um, see, you obviously think that by asking it. In a sense, I think it by... Um, by the... the uh, by the logic of does a cricketer want to play at the highest level and the highest level for me being test cricket well he's done that he said he didn't like it he said he you know he wanted to bat three or lower down they wanted him to open um gave it a go didn't like it and it's it's the way now of these young lads these you know young cricketers um they can see a future they can see more uh, earning power or more earning potential more star um ability by playing t20s around the world going out there playing in the caribbean premier league the big bash the indian premier league or whatever earning big books and you know just going out there playing 20 over cricket and that's what alex wants to do so if you had you know if you put that question to alex he'd said no i'm doing what i want to do i know he was very very um disappointed by the events of last year of course um ended up being um, suspended by England and, and you know he virtually um, shoehorned out of the the World Cup squad. Mm. Um, that was always one of his goals from sort of two three years before the tournament to be part of that team. And of course, with them going on to win the World Cup, you know that that is something I think that you know he will always have regrets about. But in terms of you know doing what he wanted to do, he, he scored good runs for knots in all the formats. And then he played for England in all three formats, and you know now he's he's sort of made his bed and he's he's quite happy lying in it. Do you agree with cricketers in general deciding that the white ball cricket? I'm not sure this red ball and white ball thing, but there, there seems to be a trend, a worrying trend. I'll come to 2020 in a few minutes, but there's a worrying trend to white ball cricket. Me, no, because I love the county championship and I love test cricket. But, um, people are offering enormous, and I mean enormous, checks in their direction, enormous salaries to go and um, follow a white ball dream. Um, Alex, let's be fair, has never been the greatest fan of fielding. Um, loves batting, but, you know, I was, as I was taught at a very young age... Um, if you're going to play cricket, you've got to enjoy fielding because nine, however good a batsman you are, however good a bowler you are, um, at least 95% of the game of cricket is fielding. You do more of that than you do anything else. So if you're not interested in fielding and you're not giving everything in the field, you might as well not bother. And um, Alex, although he's taken some stunning boundary catches in the recent Big Bash and, and, you know, and over the years, when he's out there, he'll give his all. But you put the prospect to him of a full day in the field of county championship fielding and no thanks um yeah I, I i don't know i don't know i i would like to think there are enough people out there that will want to keep the the county championship going well that, that's where i'm going to come to in a few minutes with you mm. the, the actual future is it but let's just go back a little bit um 
where did you how did you get into commentating um well about my seventh or eighth birthday i got a um a sabutio kit if that's uh if that's any good so we'll, <laughs> so we'll uh We'll start there with the, um, you know, the Forest team of the time, maybe. You know, your, your Ian Story Moores and your Joe Bakers and your Terry Hennesses and, you know, just go and sit in my bedroom with the Sabutio on the floor and uh, and do a bit of commentating. And, you know, you'd hear from downstairs occasionally, my dad saying, will you be quiet? We can't hear the television down here and, <laughs> and whatever. So, uh, you know, but on, on, a, on a serious sort of level, um, when I came out of the Air Force, end of 95 end of 1995 i was living in london at the time and i I came out of the air force by then um i'd already got involved in quite a lot of media stuff um i'd been involved with the england team the 1990 world cup which is a whole different story and from them i'd been writing for um england programs um for the football association for for a few years and i was offered a full-time job at barnet football club when they came in the football league um ray clements was the manager and all the rest of it and they wanted me to you know they offered me a a bit of a package to do their program every week and do their you know their media officer you know like a like a poor man's tony smith at flow you know, that, <laughs> that, that, that sort of thing um but you know going to to barnett's games they'd just come in the league uh home and away and uh, there's a chap that you'll both know jonathan pierce he's done a lot of bbc <laughs> commentaries at the time well he did the uh he was the sports editor of capital radio in london and you know he sort of said to me well if you know if you're going to barnett's games home and away um it, you you know the scenario in, in you know in nottinghamshire um the radio station would give you know forest scores county scores and mansfield scores well of course in london much bigger place a uh, lot more teams and on a saturday afternoon you know a, a, you know a really fantastic sports program going round all all the grounds and you know he needed somebody at lowly barnet and and that was it really and you know i, I sort of started doing that and then um you know as um you know as you can imagine occasionally barnet would be the only one and you know get the opportunity for a bit of commentary and whatever and enjoyed it and there was the old club call again you'll be familiar with that and there was the cricket call as well but did a few games for club call and then you know sort of um you know are you available on wednesday night there's a you know can you go here and do a commentary and here do a commentary and it, it just it just sort of took from took off from there and i went from club call to the you know to the cricket call and um and then you know sort of when i when i came out of the forces i moved moved back up here um i did stuff for uh hallam fm in sheffield and you know they wanted me to do i did a season cover in yorkshire um but then i you know then i sort of got opportunities at trent bridge and it just sort of went on from there doing reports initially and then from 2010 onwards i've just about done every ball of every match that not so not so bold because that's when you know it came in the, the bbc online would cover every game of county cricket still to come county cricket has it got a future not what went wrong and can it be put right test matches 2020 grassroots cricket his favorite grounds his favorite cricketers but when he comes back the subject is joe root welcome back to our sports special with dave brace girdle um we're obviously talking cricket although we are going to try and convince him to come back to talk football but it's all about cricket tonight and we've talked about alex Ailes. the second big name we're going to mention is is joe root um who obviously was number one batsman in the world scoring centuries for fun then they made him england captain and the runs to an extent have dried up 
Um, so my question is, um, should the possibly most skillful player that we've got have the captain's job round his neck as well, or should he be allowed, as Tony said, just to express himself? Um, don't know Joe as a person. I've inter interviewed him a few times, but don't know him as a person. Know his brother really, really well, of course, because uh, Billy played for Knotts for... Uh, a number of years he moved to Glamorgan last year and had a had a decent year and uh, you know I've, I've, I've met his family um but in terms of uh Joe you know you're only as good as your last game or your last series and they've just pulled off a, a pretty decent win in South Africa I don't envisage any changes I can't see Joe standing down uh, and I don't think they'll they'll take it off him I'm not so sure there's um, I don't think enough players know no. that are guaranteed uh, a spot by you know. I think Stokes would love it. I think you know Peterson and Flintoff are sort of the big ex, uh, extroverts, eccentrics, if you like. Um, they were others that sort of coveted the role and took it on uh, for a while, but it didn't work out well for a re you know one reason or other. Both Flintoff and Peterson and. Um, uh, in fact, I think Freddie just had it while somebody was out injured, didn't he? But um, I, I think Stokes would would jump at the choice, but I don't think that's I don't think that's the right thing. Um, you know, I'm 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 club before country. I'm not before England, but you know, looking on from afar, oh. I would keep it. Uh, you know, I think Rooty will, will keep it for a while. Okay, then. So you club before country. So I've got to ask you this one because this is one that really one of the ones that winds me up. Central contact and um, central contracts. <laughs> Again, you're asking all these questions and making me out to be probably what I am—an old footy you know, <laughs> Yeah, but we, we, there's we, nothing wrong with that. We can all remember the days when a test match would finish on a Saturday, and you know the players would—you uh, know—they'd drive one end of the country to the other to go and play in the <laughs> well, Sunday league get, game. If you didn't get picked in the eleven, you jumped in a car. Yeah, and you got to Trent Bridge about yeah. one o'clock, and you immediately took the field. Yeah. The players love it, um, and again, it's something else. You know, the genie's out the bottle; it's it's here to stay. Um, the counties, uh, if they get a player that's on an England central contract, because they you know they don't have to pay them. Knots have got Stuart Broad, and they've had Stuart Broad services for what, 12, 13 years now. He's been um, a Knots player since signing from Leicestershire. How much they've actually paid him, I'm not sure because he's had an England contract most of most of that time. Okay, so it's it, We've paid for by England under this central contract, then, but obviously, so which is that's why they can dictate if he's fit enough to play for knots or not. Yeah, and, and that's it, and that's the bit I, I don't like. I know there's been occasions where uh, I've heard, um, I'll, I'll say indirectly, I've heard that Stewart, you know, let, let, let's use him, or let's just, you know, player X has wanted a game for knots or whichever county, and, you know, the England management have said, you know, no. You know, you've got a heavier workload, be it as a batter or as a bowler, through the rest of the, the summer. Um, so you've got to sit this one out, and I don't think it's fair on the fans. I don't think it's fair on the player. Um, this is my argument, and, and I know when you buy a season ticket, you, you know what you mm. you know you, you know what the rules are, but you can't envisage buying a season ticket for your favourite football team and the top players. And, not playing more than twice a season. Well, this is it, isn't it? I'm, you know, I'm sure we're going to get round to the hundred at some point, and yes. 
you know, later on in, in the year when the, the 50 over competition mm. is running, you know, counties are, are going to be without, you know, not only their overseas players, not only their test players, but in, like in Knott's case, you know, five or six or seven regular members of their 50 overside. Tony and I regularly sort of lock horns on, on 2020. I think uh, we should reveal at this point, listeners, mm-hmm. that unless Jeff Boycott is boring people stupid, Mick thinks it's a circus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I won't go that far, but I'm probably not far on. I, 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 in, in my day, and yes, I am the the dinosaur i've got no problems in my day <laughs> i'm catching you up kid <laughs> well, in my day you play sunday league cricket and sunday league cricket was the day that you all went out there we all went to trent bridge and we went into the, the vip land when albert bocking was bo- <laughs> boss at flow serve and we watched the paul johnson show yeah. you know it was brilliant but it was on a sunday and we all knew it was on a sunday it had its place to me now but then it's Paul Johnson over. will have told you that the day before he was perhaps playing in Northampton or Middlesex or Lords or Glamorgan or wherever, the first day of a county championship match, they'd driven back to play that one-day game and then they'd driven, yeah. uh, had to go back to conclude it on the, on the Monday and the Tuesday. and When they finally left the bar at Trent Bridge. Well, yeah. ex- ex- yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, again, I, as a cricket watcher, loved those days where... It was wall-to-wall cricket, but you can understand the players getting tired. You, you know, it's a, it's a miracle there weren't more accidents because yeah. they're up and down the motorway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as in that example, you know, they, they started a county championship match on a Saturday and concluded it on a Monday and a Tuesday. The one day in the middle wasn't a rest day. They had to go and play um, a Sunday league game it, it, it somewhere. It always amazed me that the authorities couldn't work out uh, that you played the Sunday match. Well, at the same time as you're playing the four-day match. But, but sometimes, I, I it, sometimes it did, as, as we know, but, you know, it it, uh, it it often didn't. And, you know, you're talking earlier about the difference between red ball and white ball. I, you know, I didn't really have a problem with the Sunday League at all. And, you know, the, the old um, rose-tinted spectacles, looking back, you know, I can always remember great crowds at Trent Bridge for the, the Sunday League games, you know, and the... Um, they always put a match on BBC Two, didn't they, on a Sunday afternoon, and that was always mm. um, wonderful high music the, as well. Yeah, yeah, very much high in the uh, in the ratings. And um, <coughs> you know what, what was wrong with the Sunday League? But again, it's you know it's something else that they're not going to bring back. Are we in danger of twenty twenty taking over? <sighs> we might be past that point. Mm. You know, we might we might be in danger of the hundred taking over because the twenty twenty has been shifted now. That's going to be completed before the you know the youngsters break up for school this year. That's been moved to an earlier part of the season. You know, they're really throwing everything at this one hundred. But round the globe, yeah, you know, like I said in in Hale's case, um, you know, he will have played Big Bash, Indian Premier League, Caribbean Premier League, um, Bangladesh, South Africa, Pakistan, which. I know we're going away from my script, but hey, I always do. Um, <laughs> that worries me about test matches. I don't mm. see a problem with England-Australia, uh, but I do see a problem that India and Pakistan and, and the West Indies will want to even bother with test matches. Well, nobody's watching cricket in many of those countries, are they? Um, you know, the, the, the test matches in England very high cost for tickets but they always seem to be sold out or 
um, very close to being sold out the same in australia but you know apart from probably boxing day um and new year's day in south africa they, you know there weren't great crowds really for this recent test series and those that were there were the the Barmy Army or the, the England supporters that, that went out. And I think England supporters are really keeping Test cricket alive in terms of people through the uh, through the gate. But, um, you know, even even in India, everybody says, you know, what a cricket-mad country it is. But over there, it's, it's all about the IPL. Oh, I went to the first ever T20 match at Trentbridge, not against Yorkshire. And I'd been at Trentbridge um, the week before to a county championship game. And there were four old people sharing a blanket in the pavilion, watching the game. I went to the Knots against Yorkshire game on a very, very cold Friday night. There were about eight or 9,000 there. 80% of them were kids. That's T20 cricket. So they've moved it and it's not in the school holidays. No. They've just told you that. that, 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 that so unfortunately, T20 is the future of Christmas. Se- several of the, the Knots games at least are on a Friday night this year, the, the home games. And, you know, they do get terrific crowds. You, you know, you really can't knock the way they, they market it. They um, seem to have got the finger on the pulse in terms of ticket pricing and that they're a lot cheaper than, um, than some of the others. You know, they, they lay on lots of things with Knots the Squirrel. Uh, the concourse is filled with face painters and people giving things out to the kids and whatever it is a real family atmosphere um but you know almost the ecb are saying you know it, it it's not quite what they're looking for let's move on and you know they've they've generated everything towards making this 100 a success right so let's get back to the dinosaur me okay. <laughs> trent trent rockets is that what they're called yes it is yeah it's an amalgamation then of nottinghamshire leicestershire and Derbyshire, is it? Well, it, it's so a, I, it's I, I can't East, get my head around it's it. It's an East Midlands-based franchise, and uh, <laughs> there was an auction in October for, for the best players. Um, <laughs> I think you've lost him, Stephen Fleming, <laughs> the former Knots player and New Zealand captain, is the the head coach of the Trent Rockets, and and he was in charge of the uh, the recruiting. He had a bit of help with Mick Neal, who's the um, you know the Knots director of cricket, but he's going to be involved with. Fleming with regards to um, to the auction on the night and um, it seems that the Trent Rockets the way they've decided to go they've got you know some talented overseas players but you know a lot of the players I think have been signed for their local knowledge and, and the fact that you know the, they're hoping the supporters I think will come along and support the likes of Alex Hales, Harry Gurney, Stephen Mullaney, Luke Fletcher, Tom Moores um, who else is the Matt Carter, the big tall off spinner? Uh, Luke Wood, who's now just left to go to Lancashire, but of course he's he's been a Knots player, so it is a very Knots um, centred team. But um, well, nobody, nobody, nobody from Leicestershire or Derbyshire would they? No, it's, 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 it's all about standards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's um, very quickly before we get on to county cricket, um, give you another name for an opinion on because I'm loving these opinions and. Um, this is a... I think Paul Johnson said he was a Marmite character and what Paul Johnson said when we turned the mics off <laughs> was slightly different. Yeah, Paul Johnson is a Marmite character. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Peterson. <laughs> oh, yours. Is there a question mark at the end of yes. this? I guess it's like the girlfriend that you had that um, while you were with her you uh, you absolutely adored and worshipped her but then when she went off with your mate 
<laughs> you, 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 weren't, uh, you weren't too fond of it. Um, what I'm trying to say is when he was a Knotts player, I idolised him, thought he was a terrific player, but I've not enjoyed seeing him score runs and actually take wickets. He's taken quite a lot of wickets against Knotts for both Hampshire and uh, Surrey over the years. How um, long did he go out with Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was there when he when he first arrived. I can actually remember his you know his his first sort of yeah. um, media day. Um, you know this big, tall, young man, young off spinner because that's what he was. He, you know, Clive Rice had brought him across to bat eight and um, you know bowl off spin. Um, and uh, the first time I saw him genuinely was the start of the two thousand season, first um, or second of April, something like that against North Ants, a warm-up game, and him and Jono um, just had a slogging competition against a North Ants <laughs> side, which included Graham Swan. I mean, it's, you know, the, the scorecard, you know, the, the, the scorecard is, is there. I think John, Jono got 165 and Peterson 140. And they, you know, they just took North Ants and, and Swan apart in a pre-season friendly, admittedly, but when you sign this lad as an off spinner and he <laughs> goes out there and, and does that, you know, it very quickly showed everybody that he wasn't going to be a number eight. He was much better than that. And uh, I still to this day maintain, and, you know, had the conversation many times with Jono, it's one of the best innings I've seen Peterson play. And, and to be fair, one of the best I've seen Jono play. Sure, Jono have done more in his career. It's a different era, wasn't I it? I mean, we've come, I've come from Bolton, so if you come from Bolton or if you come from Newark, you love Jono. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's like Forest fans looking back saying, you know, how on earth did Duncan McKenzie never win an England cap yeah. in this day and age where you can bring on seven, eight subs in a friendly or whatever. They'd certainly have had a look for eight or 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 games. And uh, I think in this era, Jono would certainly have, uh, have had a, um, a white ball run now and again. Um, you know, even when they go off you know they play these games against Scotland and Ireland at the start of uh, domestic seasons don't they just to have a look at one or two players but Jono would certainly have won England caps as it was Jono should have won England caps in the, in the era he played he um, you know his, his figures certainly stack up but you know England's loss was Nottinghamshire's gain is uh, undoubtedly been you know right up there with the very best they've ever had and it's lovely to actually see him back at Trent Bridge and welcome at Trent Bridge again. Well, he's actually wandering around in a, in a Leicestershire tracksuit well, at yes, the moment. True. Yes, <laughs> yes. So he's, doing a, he's doing a bit of coaching yeah, yeah. At, uh, at Grace yes. Road, but yes, I know what you mean, yeah. It is. Let's talk county cricket then, because I love county cricket. Um, you obviously yes. love county yeah. cricket, because yeah. it, it, is your, it is your job. Um, is there a future in county cricket first? I mean, where, where's county cricket? In, in, now we've... We stop it for the 2020, we're stopping it for the 100 or whatever they're calling it. Where does county cricket, it seems to me, very much the poor relation of cricket. Very much so. Um, it disappoints me when I hear players saying they play too much uh, first-class cricket. They, um, they, you know, they just want to focus on the white ball game. Um, Owen Morgan... Maybe the sort of the first to um, sort of shy away from playing championship games for for Middlesex, and of course then Nails followed, and there's been a few more over the years. But um, I think up until four years ago, is it now? I thought we had a very good product: eighteen first-class counties, nine 
in each division, um, play the other eight home and away, 16 matches, and you know every year there was a, a thrilling conclusion to both the first division and the and, and the second division, you know, and, and in terms of the promotion and the relegation, and it, it worked year after year after year, and then they decided um, they were going to mess around with it, and, and for a while, Division 1 became uh, eight teams, and Division 2, ten, and now this coming season it's been shifted around again. Knots were the only team that went down last year and three came up. So um, the division that Knots are playing in, there's going to be eight teams. And yes, it's, it's fair because they play the other seven teams home and away. But I just don't see how your top level of domestic first-class cricket can involve a division where some teams only play Yorkshire once, and some play them twice. Some only play Hampshire once and Hampshire twice and whatever. Because there's ten teams in the division, you play seven teams at home and you play seven teams away. And it's randomly drawn. Some teams won't go to uh, Somerset, which has got a bit of a reputation now as being a you know a late season dust bowl taking spin, very low scores, and some teams will go there and have to face that. And I just I, I just don't think it's um, everything's on a level playing field when you know you, you don't play everybody else in your division it does make you wonder some of the how some of the people in the top jobs in 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 any sport how they think things out like that it, it just it just it, it's senseless it, it 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 beggars belief i mean they must be on some sort of medication we don't know about um and not so play you know they were dreadful last year there's no bones about well, let's that get, let's but, get round to um nottinghamshire county cricket club and i i, I understand that uh You've a lot of friends there, and um, you've got to go and see them again and spend the summer <laughs> with them. Uh, and if by any chance they are listening to this, we better be very careful. But they should never, ever get relegated. Well, yes, um, but then you say there were eight teams last year, and and one team had to finish eighth. And perhaps the writing was on the wall in that. The year before, they only stayed up. They were actually level on points with Lancashire, who went down, but not had four wins and Lancashire three. So they stayed up on most wins. So in, in, in many senses, the writing uh, was on the ball, uh, was on the wall. But you know, Peter Moore's McNeil, um, obviously well aware of that, uh, could see they needed to make changes, needed to um, bring some players in, and there were wholesale changes made last winter um, or just before the end of the 2018 campaign uh, Ben Duckett was signed uh, Ben Slater from Derbyshire they got Joe Clark last winter um, Paul Coglin had come the year before but he'd had a year out injured so he was effectively a new player Zach Chappell from Leicestershire so wholesale changes and uh, there are a whole lot of reasons last year why it just didn't click for some uh, for some of them and uh, and for other players and um, I saw every ball of the season and you know, not quite rightly finished where they deserve to finish Will they bounce? Should they? Can they? Will they? Well this is the thing I think they're on a hiding to nothing aren't they if they if they have a really successful season people will say well, well you couldn't do it in Division 1 you know, but you've done it in Division 2 um, they should they've picked a bad year to go down because now as we were just saying the 10-8 the split it's just going to be one down one up so they've got to win the uh, the division they should do they're in a division with Derbyshire Leicestershire Durham um, Middlesex Worcestershire Sussex and Glamorgan um, take a straw poll up and down the country I think everybody would say Nottinghamshire should be the strongest out of those but they haven't won a county championship game for 
uh, for 18 months now. Um, God, hell of a stat. It, it was uh, <laughs> Essex at Chelmsford in, in June of 2018. They've, you know, they've not won a, a county championship game since then. And, you know, as we all know in sport, winning breeds confidence and, and winning also breeds more wins. Uh, I think they've got to get off to a good start. They begin with Leicestershire at home, Durham away and Derbyshire at home. And, um, you know, hopefully the conditions will be will be nice and dry and favourable and they can get off to a start. The, the coaching team's like a who's who, though, isn't it? Unbelievable, yeah. and you know there were people calling for you know one or two um, sacrificial lambs to be made, but you know I, I don't think the players could have been better prepared. I, I see them home, I see them away, I see them on the rest days, the training days, and I, and I see them going through it. And you know you will look at players striking the ball magnificently, and you know if you can take any gauge as to how somebody will go going into a game um, you know you think they, they're going to go well but like I said it's it's a strong league there are some very very good players in that first division and last year Notts were, were outplayed in most of the games they finished where they deserve to finish still to come Dave's favourites in quite a few different things but um, one more little bomb if you like <laughs> um, I keep being told that Ben Stokes is as good as Ian Botham and Freddie Flintoff I'm not sure. I mean, again, I've got my dinosaur hat on, I know, but to me, Botham was, and I've probably got rose-tinted, I know, but where is Ben Stokes in those three, and then we'll put all three of them into context with the world's greatest all-rounder? I don't say this for any, you know, congratulations or, or whatever. Or I had a birthday a week or so ago, and I, I, one of the, 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 the kind gifts I got was the Ben Stokes um, not the autobiography he did that a year or two before which I, which I read but um, he's done a book on last year's um, two big tournaments or you know obviously with his ghostwriter he's, he's done it and I'm, I'm about halfway through that And not your job um, was it? no no unfortunately <laughs> no um, and, and I'm very much there's far more of an insight into how Ben Stokes is now after all the things that you know that have disrupted his career injuries and of course the incident in Bristol which led to him getting into trouble um, two or three years ago um, I think Stokes is a terrific player as I said earlier I wouldn't burden him with the with the captaincy um, he probably doesn't bowl as much as uh, as he should and for that reason you know you just wonder if his body is one that's going to hold up for a long time is he going to be somebody that's going to be able to play you know well into his 30s because you know when he when he does have a heavy workload with the bowling we see him go down a bit but in terms of his batting ability and getting England out of scrapes getting his side whoever he's playing for out of scrapes um, you know he's he's been terrific you look back at that long partnership with Jack Leach last year where he only let Leach have you know, what, a dozen balls in two hours um, and he did it in the World Cup final when New Zealand had all but when yeah, everybody remembers the super over and Joffrey Archer and then the run out but England wouldn't have got there but for Stokes going in again getting 80 odd in next to no time right at the end of the, the World Cup final and uh, he, he's, a, he's a terrific batsman in terms of um, where he will finish in terms of England all time greats that, the, you know, the jury's out but he's going to he's going to get into the top 10 certainly um, and probably the higher part of the top 10 for somebody that's done it across all three formats so when we come back the first one we'll do is Dave's greatest 
or Randa. I think I know where we might be going. Okay, so let's have a little bit of fun and um, go with the favourites and probably the least favourites. So the world's best ever all-rounder. Is it Stokes? Is it Botham? Is it Flintoff? Or is it somebody else? Um, Um... as i've already said sobers was the the first love just everything about him was um was majestic he uh he had a swagger which um i don't think anybody else has been able to sort of copy i mean he was slightly bow-legged wasn't he? he walked to the middle but what an extraordinary cricketer he was um could bowl quickly um could take pace off it and wobble it about could even just stand there off a couple of paces and uh and, and bowl spin and you know the, the old chinaman and googlies as they called it and three three bowlers in one um and you know a, a terrific batsman um so he was sort of the first all-time hero then Derek randall but i know you're talking about all-rounders no no carry on carry on you know sort of he was he you know he was the the next you know sort of big favorite the big star if you like um and from then uh it was it was somebody that often gets overlooked but in the last um five six seven years has very much been part of my life franklin stevenson oh, wow. um okay. he was the man who did the double the last man who did the double for nottinghamshire um and from 2012 onwards knots have pre-seasoned in barbados and trained uh, at the franklin stevenson academy and i'm fortunate enough to go with them every year and got to know franklin very well and um he comes over every summer and um you know i've, I've uh, over the last uh however um couple of years got to write his autobiography with him and of course that's that's currently out now um terrific player terrific fella um a real story of course he was one that um in an era where South Africa were excluded from the rest of the world for um, reasons of apartheid, um, they tried to get people to go there, and he was part of the Rebel West Indian team to go there, and of course, as a consequence, was banned not only from playing for the West Indies for life, but for Barbados for life. Um, quite an extraordinary story how he's uh, had to, you know, come over here and, and play his cricket in in England because he was banned for life for playing for Barbados and. You know, he's never had an apology. It's something that, you know, he's, he's written about in the book. That's the thing that hurts most of all. Um, but, the, the, you know, the irony of the, the two is that they, obviously, apart from being Barbadians, have, you know, lived quite close to each other, become best friends. They play golf with each other every day. <laughs> Rice and Hadley, was you around in? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, again, terrific players and part of the most successful team that, you know, lots of, you know, certainly had up until... Um, up until recent times when there were different competitions um, but that 1987 team that Paul Johnson was part of that won the championship, won the Lord's final um, tremendous Hadley of course was the one before Franklin Stevenson that did the double um, a different time wasn't it you know you could have two overseas players which is something that the muting might be brought in again from 2021 onwards um, which you know, some people will have the views on: Is it stopping young English player from getting in teams, or is it making county cricket more attractive? But they are certainly talking about bringing back two overseas players, but not certainly had two of the best in 
in Rice and Hadley and, uh, and, and both were great servants and part of that successful side. Apart from getting detention for watching knots at Tom Avenue, like Mr Smith got detention when he went to a test match, <laughs> um, given any opportunity to watch um, to listen to test match special, and that's even changed now a little bit because obviously talk sport... <coughs> Have got it, which gives me to on on me next of my favourites. You are a commentator, but your favourite cricket commentator of all time. Who who, who did you l- love listening to? Well, again, it's turned into a bit of a Barbados loving, but I've I've <laughs> I've, I've, I've actually worked with Tony Cozier, um, much missed Tony Cozier. Um, of course, we you know we didn't get to hear him all that often, did we? In the uh, in the pre-television days, it would be, you know, only whenever the West Indies came over here or England were over there. But Cozy, I just I just loved his insight. I loved uh, his dialect. Uh, <laughs> I loved his knowledge. I loved his passion. Um, of the current ones, I love Bumble's humour. Um, very much uh, an enthusiast for county cricket and, and knows his stuff. Um, but there's... there's there's a lot of good ones around. Um, you know, I work with uh, some really good guys that cover county cricket that you know a lot of people who just follow the you know the international game would would never have heard of. But you know, there's a lot of a lot of good guys out there, and I, th- I think all you really want is somebody that's passionate about the sport they're following, whatever the sport is, uh, reasonably knowledgeable, and uh, you know, regularly gives the basics. You know, provides the scores, provides the updates, um, has a Hopefully, a, a you know a, a listenable voice over a long period, and um, you know over the over the years, I think there's been some some very good um, commentators along the way, but especially in cricket. Um, can, one, c- can I just say that my detention was for watching Jeff Boycott in 1977 at Headingley. Mix, of course, was for watching W. G. Grace. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, that's what I was going to actually say. Just very quickly, because every time we talk about cricket, he thinks I'm Jeff Boycott's biggest fan, but I can't forgive Jeff Boycott for what he did to Derek Randall. Oh, yeah, exactly. But, um, so let's... Um, have uh, your... And we should get it right. It is Sir Geoffrey Boycott. Yes, let's have, your, <laughs> let's have your thoughts on Sir Geoffrey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that sums it up quite well, yeah, really. No, that's, that's, that's a long time ago. Obviously, your favourite ever cricketer, we know it is Gary Sobers. Your favourite Nottinghamshire cricketer is Gary Sobers. Um, I have a tendency to think I know what your favourite cricket ground is. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, I'm the wrong one, really, to be throwing, you know, and asking for balanced opinions, but, but we, were having this, them. <laughs> we were having this conversation, weren't we, at Lowfields, about yeah. how it gets built and built and built and still fits in and looks great. You know, every year the ECB run a poll amongst cricket supporters up and down the country for um, best uh, customer experience, best visitor experience, is it? Uh, and year after year after year after year, and it has been for as long as I can remember, Trembridge wins. Um for me going there you know half my summer months spent at Trembridge it's a, it's an absolute joy um it's a ground that has evolved over the years as new stands have been built they're all very different but they all complement each other's fabulous scoreboards 
Um, the media centre is, a, is a, a joy to work in and work from. The windows open, you get lots of fresh air. Well, you, you know, you can say yeah, that. You yeah. know, if you're commentating on cricket all day and there are plenty <coughs> of grounds, probably half of the 18 counties, um, you know, you'll go to grounds where the windows don't open and you're sort of isolated in there in a game that is played in fresh air with spectators yeah, yeah, sat in yeah. the fresh air generating an atmosphere um, in all sorts of weather conditions. And, you know, there's some places you go and you're sat, sat in a box. Um, you know, with with glass windows that don't open, and you know it, it 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 does frustrate me a little bit when you get days like that. But yeah, um, Trembridge first, probably my favourite away for lots of reasons is Hove. Um, you can't really walk to the ground without having a, a walk along the seafront in the morning, get some uh, get some air in your lungs. Uh, I love going to Hove, uh, and probably Lord's third. Have you ever been to Bridgetown Cricket Ground in Somerset? Thatch Pavilion pitch on a one in seven slope? No. Uh, but I know where it is. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> usually, when I'm, when I'm in that area, I'm on my way to another thatched uh, cricket ground. That's North Devon at, uh, at Instow. That's got a thatched pavilion. Mm. Lovely, right on the coast there in North Devon. Some, some beautiful grounds. That's um, Shepherd's Ground, isn't it? David Shepherd's Ground, mm. yeah. And the Overtons now uh, at Somerset. They're products of the, uh, the North Devon Club. Um, when I was in the Air Force, I pl- Air Force, I played down there a little bit. There's a, a, a club near there, Braunton, and we were their big rivals. Mark Lathwell, who played for Somerset in England, he, he played down there as well. It's a real strong cricket stronghold but yeah lovely a thatch pavilion and you know before I, I i even spoke just after seven o'clock you mentioned um uh Callum road i came past it this afternoon and good grief you know the water is as sort of halfway up the scoreboard yeah, there it's yeah. unbelievable and sad to report i can see a car somebody's left a car down there behind the pavilion yeah, and it's yeah. it's halfway up I, I certainly think the engine's flooded we've run out of time and we haven't even talked about grassroots cricket so I'm sorry, but you've got to come back. Well, it'd be a pleasure. It's, it's, um, it's, been, a, it's been an absolute delight now you, I've found you. You, you really have got to come back, because we also want to talk about football and want to yeah. talk about about tennis. So um, we'll get we'll get something organised before summer season starts for you, because as you say, for Tony and I, and the way that's been pinging away all night, it has been an absolute pleasure no, thank and you. of course the show will be podcast um, in the next few days so um you can listen to it again or you can tell your mates to listen to it for the first time we're back tomorrow night with the first two football show which uh, for a local radio station features the welsh football alliance but there you go that's what we do <laughs> so douglas all the world's most famous geordie coming up next radio news